Welcome to Life Church Hurley's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy. The reason why that's important is, is so important is because if you're not willing to keep your creativity in check, your invented and inventive mind in check with your enemy or with what's going on, then you probably won't do it with your God. And what I mean by that is how many times have you messed up? How many times have you invented sin in your life and, and you've went further than you thought you would ever go and then you started running with thoughts in your head about how God doesn't love you anymore. God's not with you anymore. You can't worship the way you used to worship anymore. You can't come before God. How many of y'all have ever invented that scenario in your head? Come on. All of us, haven't we? And the thing is, if we don't check our reality, our our creativeness against his reality, that's the way it ends up happening with our mind. And we start staying away from, from church and we start staying away from God and we stop reading our Bible because we think and we create things in our head that keep us from God. And yet God is saying that is not your reality and it's definitely not my reality. And so when it comes to meeting with our God, Jesus actually talks about this, Matthew 5, 21. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I'm going to tell you this today, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Here's what Jesus is saying. It all starts with a thought. It all starts with the thought. You see, you thought you had to carry it through. It's not true. It all starts with the thoughts in your head. And what Jesus was trying to tell him is, if you have the thought of murder in your head, then if you let it go long enough, and if you allow your creativity thoughts of of cheating on your wife long enough in your head, it might actually come to pass where you cheat on your wife. If if you have the thoughts of stealing from your job for long enough and you you justify it long enough and you're okay with it long enough, it, it might just happen one day. And Jesus says, it all starts with a thought. Check this out. Look at the rest of it. Verse 23. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, Jesus doesn't about face here. He says, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Then leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. And surely I say to you that you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. He says, if you dare come into my temple and try to give me a gift when your life has all this craziness going on and you're stirring up strife and you're stirring up craziness, then I'm going to tell you something, leave your gift because God would rather your your gift be delayed than dirty. Isn't that amazing? To walk before the altar. How many times do we tend to walk into the presence of God, to walk before the altar without any thought of, of 
of asking forgiveness for things without any thought of, uh, of, of forgiving a brother that, that we've hurt. And, and, and the thing is about this verse, it says someone that you've hurt. In other words, maybe your life is creating craziness and, and waves behind you. And yet you come into church, you come into God's presence, like everything is fine all the time. And you're like, oh yeah. And then you go out and you go out into the world and, and you, you stir up strife and you stir up anger and, and people hate you and, and all these things. Are go- and then you go in and you worship God. God's go, no, 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 it, does, it doesn't quite work that way. I don't want a dirty gift on my altar. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring your gift. Come on, bring it down. Bring it down and lay it on my altar and then leave and make it right. Because I would rather your gift be delayed than dirty. We talked about this with Nehemiah, about how the worship leaders and the pastors would go into the temple and just allow them to do whatever. It it was just dirty. Everything was dirty. Nehemiah comes in. He is furious that the the pastors were just letting things that are dirty, uh, the gifts that were dirty or impure or imperfect come into the house of God. He's like, how dare you? And Jesus echoes the same thing. He says, hey, he said, oh, starts with a thought. He said, Jesus said, you think if you murdered someone, you can't give a good gift. But I tell you that if you have thoughts in your head, bad toward another brother, then you're probably not giving a good gift. What are you talking about, Pastor? What are you talking about? A a few weeks ago, I did a a sermon at uh, Faith Academy and it was titled Enemy Obsession. And I want you to check this verse out. Here's, here's one of the main verses that I used uh, for Enemy Obsession. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and you devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Have you ever been in an argument where you think, I'm going to get the last word in. <laughs> or maybe you have someone in your life that's like that, right? No matter what, you could resolve an issue. You could sit down over a table and they're still going to get, the, doesn't that drive you crazy? You're like, let's just end it. And they're like, fine, it's ended. And you're like, good, I'm glad it's ended. They're like, I'm glad it's ended. You're like, okay, stop. Some, you don't have to always have the last word, right? That by believing. If you think you always have to have the last word, if you always think that by belittling someone else and biting and devouring someone else and telling everyone how that person is not a good person, if you always do that, then here's what happens. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. In other words, I know what you think. I know you think you're you're getting at them. I know you think you're evening the score, but what's actually happening is you're becoming obsessed with your enemy. And when you become obsessed, you become consumed. And when you become consumed, you both devour each other. So what does that have to do with laying your gift at the altar? Can I ask you a question? When you come in to God's altar, when you come in to worship and you're raising your hands and you're dancing, aren't you thinking about how good God is? Man. When you lay your gift down, when you throw your your offering in the offering bucket, it's not about a church. It's not about trying to make a big show. Aren't you just thinking, Jesus, I want to bless you this morning. 
Jesus, I want to give you something that, that, is, that is worthy of you. I want to give you a gift that is pure, that is perfect. Tell me this, how can you come into the presence of God and think all about with what's going on really in your life? You're so obsessed with your enemy and half of your mind is consumed with what's going on over here with your enemy and half of your mind is trying to give a gift to God. Jesus said it doesn't work that way. In other words, if your life is so consumed with your enemy, then it's probably not consumed with your God. Amen? And he was saying, the gift that you're laying down, is, is, it's imperfect because you, were, you weren't giving it with the whole heart. And so in order for you to give it with the whole heart, leave it. Leave the gift. Go out there, forgive your brother, ask forgiveness, make things right. Come back and then give it with your whole heart. Amen, Jesus. Amen. I want my life and my gift to be pure and all about Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Jesus, you are worthy. This morning we said, Jesus, you are worthy. What were we saying? Jesus, you're worthy of some uncomfortable situations for me to make things right so I can honor you with my whole life. Amen. Because I want you to look at the rest of it. Verse 23, he says, because that moment when you're trying to bring your gift to the altar and there, at that moment when you're trying to give to God, but it's at the altar that you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. I hate for Alabama references, but Nick Saban said it like this. He said, it's, it's, it's the standard, not the result. In other words, don't you always get result driven? Like, oh, if I do this, this will happen. He goes, no, no, no. It's about setting a standard. You follow the standard regardless of what happens at the end. Everything might fall apart, but at least you're setting a standard in your life and you're not going to give in. That's what God is saying. Set a standard. Don't worry about the result. You do things right and I'll make things right. Amen. Craig Rochelle said this, the leader of uh, The Life Church up in Oklahoma, the largest church uh, in America. Craig Rochelle said this, focus on input, not output. Ever get so focused on what's going to happen that you stop, get, you stop focusing on what you're putting in? Stop focusing on the standard that you're putting in your life. Stop focusing on the standard of worship that you set, and you're like, I'm not seeing results. Jesus told us, Stop worrying about the result and start worrying about the input and the forgiveness and the things you're giving to God. It is said that, amen. In leadership, it is said that um, people would rather follow a leader that's always real than one that's always right. I love that quote, and I normally don't give a lot of quotes, this, but this morning, that, that is good. And what in the world does it have to do with us as believers? People would rather follow a leader that's always real than always right. Because have you ever noticed that sometimes we love being right when it comes to the gospel of Jesus? And if we have a non-believer that we're talking to, 
we are willing to beat them up, bash them over the head with the Bible, just so we can show them that we are right, not realizing that people would rather follow a believer that's always just real with them. Hey, I have struggles too. Sometimes I have doubts too. I I was where you were at one time. I I can be real with you. I don't have to just show you that I'm always right. People would rather follow that person than the one that's beating them over the head with the Bible. Amen. He said, go, leave, and make things right. At the very end of that, I want want to read verse 25. I think I had it later, but I I want to read it. Verse 25 of, of Matthew 5. He says, I want you to leave. I want you to swallow your pride. And I want you to agree with your adversary. All right. Are you scared right now? (laughs) Because you're probably thinking of the person that you don't want to talk to. You don't want to have a confrontation with. You've already had enough of those in your life. But Jesus directly tells us to leave the altar and go and agree with your adversary. It does not say sit there and beg them until they agree with you. It says you go and agree with your adversary. You're right. I was wrong. I messed up. I'm imperfect. Please forgive me. I agree. And it says then on your way. Amen. Leave the gift and go agree with your adversary so your gift can be right. Stop worrying about the result of the argument that's going to happen and start worrying about the standard that God has set in your life. Agree with your adversary. Again, I love this verse. I mean, I love this statement. God would rather your gift be delayed than dirty. Now, if I can go back and find where I was, Philippians 3.12 says this. How many of y'all have ever said something like, well, I know what you're saying, pastor, but, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. <laughs> uh, you know, and God knows I'm not perfect. He knows I'm a human. Well, that's funny because I still press on. It says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I still press on toward perfection. I've heard many believers, many Christians say, well, I mean, God knows I'm not perfect. Yeah, but that's still not the standard that he expects. Paul says, I know I'm not perfect. Look at me. I'm a disaster. At what point Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Yet that doesn't hold me back from trying my hardest every single day. I hate, I hate, and I get it. I get it. We're all humans, but I hate when I see people say, you know, I love Jesus, but I'm still a little bit of hood or whatever. You know, I'm I'm still a little little bit of Jay-Z, whatever. Paul says, I get it. I'm not perfect, but I'm pressing on to be perfect. I'm leaving the old life behind. I'm not worried about it. I want to be so far away from that that no one recognizes the old me anymore. I'm pressing on for perfection. And that's why when we come to the altar, oftentimes we go, yeah, I know my gift is not perfect, but God understands. And God goes, no, I don't. I don't understand how you can be okay with giving me something that is done halfway Don't give me an imperfect gift. Yeah, but God, it's okay because you understand. Amen. Press on. Press on. Amen. Press on. Press on. The thing about these verses in Matthew 
was that Jesus was talking about murder. Murder. And he was saying, I don't care if you've ever murdered someone. It's the thoughts of murder in your head. (laughs) How do we go from murder? Wouldn't you think that if you murdered someone, that it might keep you away from the altar? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, when you commit a big sin, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know how we rank sins. Have you ever committed a big sin and go, well, I'm really ashamed. I'm not going to Bible study tonight, right? And Jesus says, actually, can I just help you out a little bit? Because uh, it's not that you've committed a big sin, because the little sin will hold you back just as much. It's not the fact that you followed it through. It's just the fact that your heart's dividing me in the first place. And Jesus says, I know what you think. I know what you think because you think if I go to the altar and I put money on the altar, in fact, my altar money, then I have just earned favor from God. He goes, that's not it at all. In fact, my altar, what, what happens down here is about honor and not about favor. Have you ever felt like that? Like almost like you're paying off God. Like, God, I'm going to go to church and that makes me good, right? Like that balances out my sin, right? Like I've been three times this week, more than the pastor. That's pretty good. Come on, God. Doesn't that balance out my sin? And God goes, no, 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 you're not getting it. Because when you come in, it's not about me giving you favor for things you've you've done. When you come in, it's all about you honoring me. My altar is about honor, not about giving favor. The fact that Jesus even had to have this conversation shows us that that is just who we are as human beings. That tends to be our tendency that we think if we do things for God, then he'll love us more. But yet God is going, no, no, no. I want you to come in with a pure heart so you can honor me the way I'm due to be honored. I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. And again, you know, it's not that we clean ourselves up because scripture clearly says that we are not cleaned up by flesh. In other words, by going out and doing things and, and trying to earn God's approval or just going to a brother and sister work that way. But we go and ask their forgiveness just so we can go to the altar. God says it doesn't work that way. It's all about your heart. Do you realize that um, your gift no matter the amount, God already had it. <laughs> realize, like, what, what are we giving God? God, I worked really hard this week. I'm going to give you 200 bucks. And God's like, thanks. It was already mine. What Jesus is trying to show us, it's not about the amount. It's not actually about what we give. It's not that we go and ask forgiveness. It's all about our heart toward God. It's all about where we're at in in our relationship with God. And that's what Jesus is trying to convey. It's not that you committed murder. It's not that you go and ask forgiveness. It's all about what's keeping you back from loving your God with all of your heart. 
And Jesus says, it is better for you to lay your gift down, run. In fact, he goes, while you're still walking, ask forgiveness, clear, clear your conscience, make sure everything is off your heart. No one hates you. No one's against you. Make sure you're doing everything you can. Why? Just so you can come into the presence of your God with yourself being pure. I love it. Because is God not worthy of having everything that we him because we have is God not worthy of us coming down and worshiping him because we have nothing holding us back I mean we went to our brother we we want to live righteous and holy remember Jesus grew uh, in, in favor with God and man and I always thought about that verse why did Jesus have to grow in favor with man when he had favor with God why do you realize that if Jesus would have left a wake of I'm always right and you're wrong and you're stupid and you're an idiot and, and you never do anything right and you're never going to be holy enough to worship God. Do you realize if Jesus would have done that, then if he would have gained favor with God and when it came to time for his ministry at age 30, he wouldn't have had a crowd. There would have been no one to preach to because Jesus would have left a wake of disaster in his past. And God is looking at you going, if you have favor with me, but everyone around you hates you, then who are you going to present the gospel to? Come with a clean heart to God. Amen. It's good. Um, I, I want to scroll back up really fast to that first do I want to? I don't know if I want to or not. Where am I at? What am I going to do? 12. No, I'll tell you what. We'll go to the end. How about that? Philippians 3, verse 12. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 16. I'm going to find my space. Somebody has my stuff highlighted back there. <laughs> Patrick. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 17. This is good. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus Fortunatus. I love that name. And Achaicus, Achaicus, Achaicus. For what was lacking on your part, they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. And here's where we're going with this is the fact that we seem to create things in our head that divide us from people around us. Have you ever done that? Where like, you know, something little happens and you start this crazy thing in your head and it becomes this huge divide in your friendships or in your family or whatever. And you don't talk to them for the year, for years or decades. You don't let your kids play together. Your kids can't meet their cousins or whatever because of something that you've created in your head. And what, what Paul's saying here is, if you can do that with the negative things in your life, if you can do that with the unholy things in your life, then how much could you do if you focus on those who do good in your life? How much choose to focus can you invent? How much godly things can you invent in your life if you choose to focus on the godly people in your life? I choose to focus on the legals. Oh my gosh. Just, you know what I'm saying? Just encouragement all the time, loving on their pastor. I could, I could bomb a message. They're like, pastor, that was a great message. I'm like, text me again later. Remind me because I need it. You know what I mean? But look at it. He said, you had some things lacking on your part. 
Anybody? Anybody walk into the house feeling like, man, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm not very good at this whole Christianity thing. And can we just put that scripture back up there and look at the rest of it? You've, you've had some things lacking, but these people, these believers who love God, they supplied what you needed. In other words, they complete you. That was a joke. Anyhow, I love it. You complete me. You had some things lacking. You, you had some encouragement that was lacking from your life. You had some words in your life that you use that they came in, things that weren't holy, filled with things that, that weren't speaking the real word of God. And, and they came in and they gave you what you needed. But here's the thing, for they refreshed my spirit and they refreshed yours. He says, but I got to tell you, you got to finish this off. You have to acknowledge those people. Because how many of us are really good at acknowledging all the bad stuff, but we're terrible at acknowledging the good people in our life? And he says, if you're going to focus on anything, you might as well focus on the people who help you get through life. And if you're going to create scenarios in your head about all the evil that could come, why don't you create some scenarios in your head about all the good that could come if you focus on the things that God is sending your way? God, I can't wait for worship service. Oh, the gods are going to be there. They're going to hug me. They're, they're going to encourage me. We're going to worship behind, uh, you know, next to each other. I can, I'm, they're probably going to pray for me. I know they've been praying for me all week. I don't even know that. I'm just making it up in my head. I just assume, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man, they're good people. You know, the webs, they're so dedicated. I bet you they're going to be at church on Sunday morning if there's not a soccer game. But they're going to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. I just know it. I know it, man. We're, we're, I bet I could sign up. I'll put a sign-up sheet on the table, and they're going to sign up for anything. I just And you start creating good, holy, righteous God. And then all of a sudden, when you show up to the altar, you're ready to worship Jesus. God, thank you for putting good people in my life. Thank you for surrounding me with people that, that help me and show me and give me things that I'm lacking. That's what God is saying. You have to check your, your creativity, your, your inventive mind, according to his reality. But if we're just being honest this morning, we're, we're probably running pretty wild this morning, aren't we? Or are you running wild with your imagination before you walked in? Was the world against you? Was, were you about to get fired at your job? Was your husband about to leave? You know, all the things that we create in our head. Can I just tell you this, that, if you create enough false things in your head, then you can't see reality. And what God is trying to show us is that he is still the author and finisher of our faith. He is still uh, the God that's in control, not that he controls us, but he's in control of the universe. And that God can fix things, God can heal things, God can repair things, God can show us things, God can take us deeper, he can bring people into our life to, to build us up and lift us up, that, that we don't always have to focus on the enemy and, and the negativity and, and the unholy things in life. God says, look at your light eyes. Check your creativeness against my reality. Amen. 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 I'll tell you what, will you stand to your feet? 
Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org. 